This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Bert Falk, I'm the very, very interim pastor. In fact, if you're visiting for the first time, you can just forget about anything that I say today because I'm leaving after today. At 6.20 this evening after the evening service, um, I'm going to walk out this door and um, you're going to prepare for the next pastor and that's the way it should be. In fact, as I was watching that video, I, I, I really wanted to have kind of a bookend that would be, you know, sort of funny and um, like, like the uh, Call Me Maybe video that we had at the beginning of my gig, but I, I couldn't do it. The guy who did it, who he was in there, we, the three of us were sort of standing next to that stuffed bear looking off into the distance. He just couldn't pull it off for me because he was busy. And so it, it, it got a little more sentimental than I wanted. But then again, um, this has been, really been an extraordinary um, year for Roxy and me. So, you know, even in the sentimentality, um, hopefully that video expressed some of the fun things that we did here that included both you know, beginning, becoming friends with you all on the one hand, but also uh, uh, falling in love or, or at least falling in like with some of the uh, interesting parts of, of Alaska. And uh, driving here this morning, slipping around a, a corner when the road is clear, uh, you know, you, you can't do that in very many places. Um, you know, as, as we've been preparing to leave, I, I have accumulated some things that I've borrowed from people over the year, over the year. And I have right now in my hand a book, uh, by Margler and Haynes, which I think belongs to Marty Lang. And it's called Last New Land. So Marty, don't disappear before coming to see me, okay? I'm not preaching out of this today. I, I just want you to be clear about that. Um, and then uh, just one last thing. Um, Rox, what do you think about sort of that, that rugged Alaskan look with kind of the long hair? Should I go back to that? No, okay. Ah, <laughs> right. uh, yes, okay. I have in my notes here a word of appreciation to the staff. You know, part of the joy and the, and the challenge of working in a, in a church is the people that you have to work with. You know, it's kind of like... Uh, your family, you sort of have to love them. There's a, there's a similar characteristic, and I want to express publicly, and I think I've done this in the past at least once, maybe more, just my appreciation to uh, the fine staff that works here at Community Covenant Church. You may have your favorite, and you're entitled to have your favorite, but they're all um, very good at what they do, and they love God, and they love this church, and they want to see this church uh, have a a vital and significant presence in this community. So continue to uh, pray for them and support them, even as you welcome your next pastor, Todd, into the, into the life of this church. Uh, thank you, staff. The text that I'm going to read, or, uh, read for you right now, uh, before I do that, can, I, can you not record what I'm about to say? And this is not a joke, actually, because I want to give you some very... Um, specific details of how you can pray for Roxy and I, and I, and I don't want this kind of going out on the web, so I don't know who does the recording. Does Mark do that? Okay. All right. Um, sorry, Mark. Because a lot of you want, have wondered, what, what, uh, 
what's next? What, what, are, you, what are your plans? And um, you, if you've asked that question to either Roxy or me in the last uh, uh, week or two or three or six, something else in mind, uh, pray that we have the patience and the ability to kind of wait out what the next thing is. One other thing that you need to know, because this church has not really been through this process before, is that um, it, is, it is customary, and there's reasons for this, that when the former pastor, in this case uh, Pastor Mark Meredith, leaves, he doesn't kind of come back around. And I know he's been up here a few times, and, and he's been involved in uh, a, a couple things, and maybe he's, he's seen a few of you privately. Uh, when I leave, I kind of have to leave. I, I mean, even though I'm staying in the community and you, you might see me at, uh, well, I'll probably go to Starbucks rather than Jitters because I couldn't go to Jitters without seeing one of you. But if you want to see me, you go to Starbucks. You know, I, I'm from Seattle. You know, that's, I got to support the economy down there. Anyway, um, I, I will, I will be happy to run into you in public places, and, and you don't have to be afraid to come up to, to me and say, oh, Pastor Brad gave that speech that he's not supposed to. I, I can have interaction with you, but I'm, I'm not going to be back in worship. I'm not going to show up to any, uh, community covenant church events. Uh, and that's just the way it should be and needs to be. Um, so if you happen to run into either me or Roxy around town, don't be afraid at all to say hello. But also understand that the reason why you're not going to see us here is because that's the, the protocol, that's the, the, the proper uh, relationship that needs to take place between uh, us and this church. And especially for the new pastor, because, you know, think about it for a minute. You're all smart people. If I'm still sort of hanging around, maybe sitting up here in the front seat, worshiping and doing my, gyre, my pre-sermon gyrations, whatever they are, um, and, 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 and Pastor Todd's here, and he says something, and you're thinking, I wonder what Brad thinks about that. You see, you don't, we don't, that's not what we need. And so I'll, that's part of the reason. He, you need to be able to attach and to fall in love with your next pastor, and I need to do uh, as much as I can to make that possible. So... Okay, that's, that's enough. I've got a sermon for you now. It's not very long, but, you know, it's, it's as good as I, I got. In fact, I, I told some of you this the other night. Uh, my son, my young son Lars, uh, I was on the phone with him uh, Friday. He says, Dad, is this Sunday your final, tr- uh, final sermon at Community Covenant Church? I said, yeah, yeah, it is. And he goes, you going to bring it? And I said, yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, if you have your Bible, you can follow along. If not, we have it on the screen behind me. And this is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. I tell you, do not worry. Don't worry about your life and what you will eat or drink. And don't worry about your body and what you will wear. Isn't there more to life than eating? Aren't there more important things for the body than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't plant or gather crops. They don't put away crops in storerooms. But your Father who is in heaven feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Can you add even one hour to your life by worrying? I'm just going to let that sit there for a second. Can you add even one hour to your life by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the, see how the wild flowers grow. They don't work or make clothing. 
But here is what I tell you. Not even Solomon in all of his glory was dressed like one of those flowers. If that is how God dresses the wild grass, won't he dress you even better? After all, the grass is only here today. Tomorrow it is thrown into the fire. Your faith is so small. So don't worry. Don't say, what will we eat? Or, or what will we drink? Or, or what will we wear? People who are without God run after all of those things. Your Father who is in heaven knows that you need them. But put God's kingdom first. Do what He wants you to do. Then all of those things will also be given to you. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now that's a good enough text that I could just probably stand here for a couple minutes of absolute silence and you'd have enough to sort of ponder for the next week. Because I think at one level, for many of us, if, if not all of us, we struggle at the core with two primary issues in our spiritual lives. And, and to put it quite crassly and quite simply, it, there, it is these two. It is wealth and it is worry. And if you think about it for a moment, in the course of your everyday life, you probably think more about your wealth or worry about something else than any other thing that you do in your life. And in this particular passage, we didn't read it. Um, If we had read a little bit earlier in the text, we would have seen Jesus talking very distinctly and very specifically about the nature of wealth. And and again, he, he makes some very pointed comments about wealth, that you can't serve two masters and so on and so forth. Well, this is my last sermon and I, you know, and I didn't want, I didn't think it would be all that great for me or you to preach a stewardship sermon on my last Sunday here. But, but just so you know, Jesus is concerned about those two things in our lives that we tend to spend a whole bunch of time worrying about. Wealth and worry. So, Either we have too much wealth, and so we worry about losing it, or we have too little wealth, and we worry about how we're going to pay the next uh, bill. It doesn't matter what side of that, that, that scenario you find yourself on. This, this Sermon on the Mount that Jesus, uh, that we find this text in the middle of, is a very, a very wonderful section of Scripture um, where Jesus addresses in very uh, no uncertain terms sort of the specifics of what life in God's kingdom looks like. And so to, to be truthful to you for a moment, as if I wouldn't be anyway, but um, um, who doesn't want to understand better and live more fully into what it means to live in God's kingdom? And I won't take a show of hands, but I bet the fact that you showed up here this morning at 9 o'clock in the morning and, you know, over icy roads, you really want to do that. And I would say, if you do, uh, read the Sermon on the Mount a few times and, and discover uh, some of the places that, that, that maybe you and I need to sort of adjust how we face some of life's issues. You see, the anecdote to a life of Wealth and worry is generosity and trust, right? 
The biblical antidote to wealth and worry is generosity and trust. Because if you have wealth and you hoard it and you're worried about it and it, and it, and it constrains you, the, the best thing to do is to loosen your hands and give some of it away. Don't worry, I'm not going to go into a stewardship rant. It's okay. Well, but that's the antidote. Generosity. And folks, you are a generous church. You are. But just because I say that to you collectively, there are some people here who have a whole lot more room for growth. And I want to encourage you as my last word that don't get stuck in your, in your path of, 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 of spiritual discipleship on the generosity thing. Open your hand. Give some of it away. And on the other hand, trust. You know, the, the anecdote for, for worry, for anxiety, for wondering what we're going to wear and what we're going to eat and what we're going to uh, do in the future is trusting God. These are God's priorities, folks. These are the spiritual practices that make it possible for us to, to, to release our grip. Well, we might take it back once in a while, but release our grip on the resources that we have and the anxieties that grip us. So th- this is the thought that I want to leave you with today. This is, these are my, uh, what do I call this sermon? A final word. Seek God's priorities in your life and when you do, all other matters will take care of themselves. Did you hear what I just, just said? Seek God's priorities in your life, and when you do, all other matters will take care of themselves. Well, how do we do this? Well, in verse 25, it says, Don't be anxious. The best place for us to begin this spiritual journey, the spiritual discipline uh, of dealing with our wealth and our worries, is, is by not being anxious. And I, I know, I, I know that this is easier said than done. Do you think for a moment, while I'm sitting around wondering if one of these four options is going to be our next place of of, uh, of joy and contentment and employment, that that I don't get a little anxious? Of course I do. But I'm reading this text and I'm going, yeah, this is it. I, I got to do this. See, well, what's interesting about this passage to me, uh, and, 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 and the reason I picked this text for today is because this is sort of my life passage. I don't know if you've done that. You have kind of your favorite passage of scripture. But for as long as I can remember, I have, I have I've read Matthew 6, 33 in particular. Uh, and I've said, I want my life to be an expression of that. And it, it points all the way back to 1979 when I was a young and uh, fairly handsome, because that's when I, you know, you fell in love with me. But I was a young, uh, brash, uh, uh, east side of Seattle graduate who went away to, to Sweden to go to Bible college called Cape and Ray. And, and while I was there, you know, I was, a, I was a follower of Jesus before I did that. But my, I was one of those kinds of followers of Jesus where I kind of followed Jesus when it was convenient for me. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. And when I got there, having all of this teaching and all of this Bible study and all of this, of, of this um, 
scripture poured into my life, this passage of scripture kind of came to the top. If I was going to stop being a part-time Christian, uh, a Christian that kind of plays around on the edges, then I'm going to have to do something like what Jesus is describing in this text. And so from 1979, when I'm 18 years old and don't know anything, uh, I, I, I have this text in front of me. And uh, when I was sitting around wondering, how can I end? Uh, how can, what, what can I say to this congregation? It, it, it became clear to me, and I'll tell you how in a, in a few minutes, that I should talk about what, what text kind of propels me to, to do what I do and, and attempt to be who I try to be. And it's this one. It's this one. You see, it's easier for us to worry than to... to Loosen our grip and give our worries to God, right? It is. I know that. Yet for most of us, most of the time, we are preoccupied with our concerns that ultimately we don't have any control over. Think about it for a minute. We worry about the weather. Anybody here worry about the weather? Yeah, okay, you don't have to raise your hand. Of course we do. We live in Alaska. When was the last time you had any control over the weather? Yeah, not recently, right? We worry about what other people think of us. Holy cow. You know, some of, some of us are so bound up with this one, we don't have time to worry about anything else. This is a, this is kind of the classic worry of, uh, you know, of kind of the teenage years, right? Oh no, what are they gonna think of me? Oh, jeez. The better question, of course, is why does it matter what other people think of us? Why, why do we, for one moment, try to, to make decisions for our future based on anything that anybody else thinks or says about us? It's, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? But we do. We worry about whether our kids are, are studying in school or, or screwing around. Well, you know... If your kid gets a 3.9 or a 2.5, is it going to make a difference ultimately? Well, yeah, if you want them to live up to your expectations, it might, right? They're not going to go to my alma mater, and they're not going to go get a job in high finance. Okay, whatever. We worry about that. We worry about whether we're going to have enough money in the checking account, as I said earlier, to cover the bills or to go on our next vacation outside or, or to buy our new four-wheel drive vehicle that's, that's bigger than the guy's four-wheel drive vehicle next door to us. Or, these, are, these are some of the more rational worries that we have. And then there's the irrational ones that I don't even have time to get into. You see, if we want to seek God's priorities, we've got to take our anxiety about life in general head on, just the way Jesus did. We've got to stop acting as if we are, are, are in control of, of uh, like a puppet master of all of the things that go on in our lives. We've got to loosen our grip on the things that we have no control over. Let me tell you a secret. You ready? Here's, this is a freebie, okay? Uh, I'm not getting a bonus for telling you this. This is a a secret of 20-some-odd years of pastoral ministry. There are many things in life that can cause you to get anxious. There are many. But for the most part, you and I don't have to worry about most of that stuff. 
We don't have to. That, that's my secret. We don't have to. So, Jesus' first suggestion, I guess, about seeking God's priorities so that, so that the rest of our life kind of falls into place is don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. The second suggestion that Jesus makes in this passage is recognizing that God knows what we need and God does have every intention of meeting our needs. You know, a couple Alaska scenes there. God knows our needs and intends to meet our needs. You see, and I think for many of us, we don't really believe that. We, we believe, rather, that God is, in, is some cosmic sheriff that is waiting to try to catch us doing something wrong so he can zap us with acne or something. Right? That's not the God of the Bible. That is not the God who, who Jesus is talking about and that Jesus embodies. The God of the Bible, the God of this text, the God who we follow isn't trying to trap us, isn't trying to catch us, isn't trying to find reasons to smack us on the side of the head. This God wants to meet our needs. You know, not in a make it, take it, uh, you know, sort of a prosperity gospel kind of way. I'm not, don't misunderstand me. But, but, but if we want to seek God's priorities and, and we are willing to let go of some of our anxieties, the second step is recognizing that God knows already what we need and has every intention of providing it. If one of these four, uh, future employment opportunities for me does not come out, you want to you want to guess what what uh, point in my sermon I'm going to be focusing on for the next couple of weeks? This one, God does care about your and my future. The example that Jesus uses in this text, which I th- which I think is just wonderful, is the the reality of birds or the, or the natural world, right? You don't have to go very far in Alaska to be confronted by the way God cares for the natural world, do you? I mean, that's one of the amazing things about this place. You know, in fact, I was getting a little cold-feeted about preaching this text about a week ago, and I'm sitting in our, uh, we have a little breakfast nook in our house some of you who've been to our house know what I'm talking about. And, and I, I, every morning I have a cup of tea. Roxy's, God bless her, already gotten up in the dark and gone off to work. So I'm kind of by myself doing my little morning routine. And I'm, I go over to the, uh, the kitchen sink. And as I look out the window, right in front of my kitchen sink, a stellar jay lands right on the porch railing, right in front of me. And the, and the bird was probably, you know, this big. And it looks at me and it kind of kind of cocks its head a little bit, you know, does this, almost to say, hey, you know, what do you got for me? And I thought, oh, isn't that interesting? You know, stellar jays tend to be sort of uh, um, brazen, but, you know, here he is. You can see me. There's glass between us, and it was really lovely. And by the way, here's just a little uh, throwaway for you. Um, uh, the stellar jay was named a- after a guy, and I think his name was Edward Stellar, and he was on one of the early... Uh, ships that came up here looking for the N- Northwest Passage. So, just so you know that, I'd throw that out. 
I sat down with my cup of tea, and I'm actually about to look at this text that I'm preaching on right now. And I look out my window, and on my railing to my deck, right out of my window, a magpie comes swooping down and, and, and comes strutting right down my, uh, and just like this, strutting, uh, right down my railing and, and stops and looks at me inside and starts going like this. Now, folks, I'm not one of these kinds of people that are saying, God, give me some mysterious word that will uh, uh, prove to me that you want me to preach this text. But here I am reading this text, and I'm having this encounter with these two birds on the same day. What, what gives with that, God? So that's why I'm preaching this. But all, my point is this. God takes care of the natural world. Why in the world would God not take care of us? You know that. Alaska is a harsh place. There's harsh elements. There's, there's predators. There's, 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 there's rugged landscape. It's not an easy place to survive, right? You, you know that. You don't, you don't go out and do stuff stupid. I mean, some people do and they don't live to tell about it. Yet in God's grand scheme of things, the natural world flourishes all around us. Animals, large and small, have their places in the food chain. And it's okay. These all, all of these pictures of nature should remind us that God knows our needs and He will provide for those needs. We had, we had a family of coyotes in our yard uh, earlier in the fall. I'm not sure if it was a mother and father. I don't know how they, they do their family unit thing, but it was two adult coyotes and three uh, pups. And, and uh, it was really... Marvelous, because you know every night you'd hear them howling uh, uh, someplace on the extremity of our yard. And and when, remember, we had that snow a few weeks ago. We had two or three inches, kind of warming us up for what's coming today. Uh, and I, I was again looking out my window, and there they were. The pups were playing with each other, tumbling through the snow, and the mother was just kind of sitting there, proud, you know, looking out, keeping watch. Well, uh, a couple days later, I was awakened in the middle of the night, about three in the morning, to the most blood-curdling scream I have ever heard in my life. It almost sounded you know, uh, like a, a small child was being eaten. And uh, I, I mentioned that to a friend of mine who knows something about coyotes' uh, eating patterns. He goes, oh yeah, they probably got a rabbit. Well, too bad for the poor rabbit, but God is caring for these coyotes. They, by the way, they haven't shown up since that, so I don't know what happened to them. But here's, here's my point. Here's my point. Look around. The fireweed in summer, the, the hoar frost in the fall, the, the frozen lakes and streams in the winter, the, the first buds that come up in the spring that remind us that, that, that winter is almost over. These should all remind us that God knows our needs and God will provide for them. This leads me to my final observation this, this morning about seeking God's priorities, and that is this. When we seek God's priorities, we can watch God work out the details. It's true. It's a little counterintuitive, but when we pursue 
God and God's kingdom, some of the stuff that we get all twisted up over and worry about and become anxious about doesn't matter so much anymore. When we seek God's priorities, we can, we can sit back a little bit and we can watch what God will do. We can observe. We can pay attention. We can notice what God is up to in the world and in, in other people's lives. And, and if we're really attentive, what He's up to in our lives. David Ewart, a Mennonite a biblical scholar, puts it like this. Having our intentions aligned with God's desires, plus trusting God, frees us from being anxious, worried, fearful about what would happen next. It allows us to let go of our expectations. I'll say that again really quick. Having our intentions aligned with God's desires, plus trusting God, frees us from being anxious, worried, and fearful about what will happen next. It allows us to let go of those expectations. You know, he's, he's right. It's, it's about letting go of our expectations. It's about letting go of, of the world the way we have planned it. It's about allowing God to have a control. And allowing God to, to have the world the way God wants it. Now, perhaps there are uh, some... Anxieties that are consuming your life right now? There, there probably are. If you want to get your life back on track with God's priorities, then you may need to let go of some of those things. Perhaps you worry too much about inconsequential matters. If you want to get your life back on track with God's priorities... One by one, release those needless worries to God and see what God does. Perhaps you are in a job, in a relationship, in a, in a set of circumstances that cause you great consternation, worry. If you want to get your life back on track with God's priorities, then perhaps it's time for you to make a few changes. Friends, Community Covenant Church, there are many ways we can choose to live our lives, but I am convinced, I am convinced that a life well lived is a life that seeks God's priorities and everything else, everything else will take care of itself. God bless you. As you seek God, you take risks to follow Jesus where you've never followed him before. And discover that even though life isn't always perfect, there's no more exciting place to be than in the active pursuit of a life of faith and discipleship. Let's pray together.
we can tick off all of the, the worries in our lives, God. And if we're, all, if we're really honest with ourselves, we can calculate in the course of a day or an hour or a week how much of our time we spend emotionally, intellectually focused on these things. We believe that what Jesus says is true in this scripture, and I pray that you give me and anyone else in this room, which is probably the whole bunch of them, the courage to, to let go and trust you with the small stuff and the medium-sized stuff and even the big stuff so that we might see that you indeed love us and care for us far more than we could have ever hoped or imagined could be the case. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.